power on. Legendary films and TV shows. Or just pure shit. The legendary host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. Sovereign at the movies. The podcast champion is here for you, baby. You know, some might be more prolific, but I guarantee you they are nowhere near as terrific as the Golden Stallion, the Man of Tomorrow, Sav Zoo, the Rated R Radio Star, Dr. Brian Sovereign. And no matter what it is that I'm talking about, I know the thousands and thousands out there whoo, are listening, baby. And we've got what may be the biggest episode of Sovereign at the Movies, as we call this, uh, in history. Well, not that there's been that many episodes so far of Sovereign at the Movies. Uh, of course, I've reviewed many a film or TV series or media entry or whatever. Media entry is actually a really good term. I need to remember that. Uh, throughout Sovereign Tech's decade-long history. Um, but, you know, it just used to kind of be at the end uh, of an episode of Sovereign Tech. But these Sovereign at the Movies episodes have been so popular. Well, again, this is probably the biggest one. No, not really. <laughs> it's not really the biggest one ever. But it's probably addressing uh, the biggest subject matter in Sovereign at the Movies history. Because we are talking about none other than Kaiju. We are talking about Godzilla or Gojira, as he actually gets called both of those names in this movie, which I thought was pretty cool. And none other than King Kong himself uh, in their <laughs> titular movies <laughs> or movie Godzilla versus Kong, which finally got released this year, 2021. Um, it was a movie that was supposed to come out quite a bit previous, but kept getting delayed due to the year that was and the events that were of 2020. But we finally got it uh, at the end of March in 2021. And I finally saw it, uh, actually watched it with Ellen, but was a good time had by all. Well, that's what we're going to get into uh, in this review. But, you know, before we get into that, a couple, uh, couple of entertainment notes. One is, uh, yeah, all right. So, so this is going to be ironic based on a second point that I have to, that I have to make here. Um, I don't know how I missed this. I'm sure I heard about it somewhere and maybe it was just one of those scenarios where I'm like, okay, yeah, they say that they're rebooting this franchise or they're, you know, they're, they're making a new movie, but I'll believe it when I fucking see it. 
Well, I kind of finally saw it, or at least saw the trailer for it, and it's coming out in just a couple of weeks here, uh, closer to the end of, was it July 22nd, I think, when it drops, or somewhere around there. But there's going to be a new G.I. Joe movie. Snake Eyes, it's going to be like an origin movie for, for, for Snake Eyes, and it is within the continuity of... Uh, the 2009 G.I. Joe film and the G the, the sequel to that, which of course starred the rock that being the, the 2013 uh, sequel to what was it? Retaliation, right? Not that great of a film, <laughs> but the first G.I. Joe movie rise of Cobra from 2009 uh, by Steven Summers, I thought was fucking dynamite. I mean, talk about paying fidelity talk, you know, talk about fidelity to the source material. That movie delivered on pretty much all fronts other than I thought the suits were, you know, the mechanical or the mecha suits, whatever that they had in it. I thought were a little dumb, like GI Joe don't, they just don't need that. It's not like it's out of place, but they just don't need that. Uh, and it would have been nice if there were a lot more lasers involved, but you know, blue and red, of course. But, uh, cause I mean, that's the other half, the battle are blue and red lasers, right? 25% blue, 25% red. Uh, and then, you know, the more, you know, is the other half is, is the 50 anyway. <laughs> um, but I loved that movie so much and I am really, really hyped up, uh, for this, this third, uh, GI Joe movie in that continuity. And I'm glad they're picking right back up with that because again, like, yeah, the 2013 one, I didn't think was that great. I should really watch it again. And I'm curious what I think of it. I, I'll watch both movies again before I go see uh, the new Snake Eyes film. But, you know, The Rock at the time was not the the megastar that he is now. Um, Not that he performed poorly in it. I just, I don't know. There just wasn't enough there. But regardless... I'll give that movie another chance, but I, you know, the, the couple times that I've watched it, I wasn't that impressed as to where I've watched rise of Cobra multiple, multiple times. I, I mean, over and over again, actually I've watched that movie, but anyway, very excited, uh, that, that snake eyes, uh, that that movie is coming out, uh, in just a couple weeks as of this recording. So, and you, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do a sovereign at the movies about that <laughs> spoiler filled, um, because see, here's the thing. Not that I was able, and of course, this episode about Kong and God's or Godzilla versus Kong is, is going to address it. Not that like I was alive uh, through most of the history of people talking about, oh yeah, you know, let's have Kong or Godzilla versus Kong because the 2021 outing is far from the first time that that happened. But here's the thing. I, I must just be, and I'm 40 now, I must just be at that sweet spot age where all the, the enter, major entertainment franchises, um, and I mean every basically every one, uh, I, I got to live them. Like, I, I grew up with them. And I didn't just grew, grow up with them, but for whatever reason, if it's because I've been working my ass off since I was 15 or what, I don't know. Um, but I never really missed a beat. I, I, I listened to, and, and, and look, I like some of these channels. Okay. Uh, but I, I listened to a lot of like these, I don't know, YouTube channels or even podcasts that cover retro material, I guess is what they would call it. And 
I mean, you can just tell that 99%, if almost 100%, though I'm sure there's great podcasts out there that nobody knows about, unfortunately, including myself, and I wish I did, uh, because I'd highlight them if I knew about them and, and, and their great work. But I, I guess just to make it short, I don't read off of a Wikipedia page, you understand? Like when I'm talking to you about the history of these movies, of these franchises and so on, I am running off of my memory. Now you can verify it by Wikipedia if you like, you know, but I have gotten very few, if any corrections throughout sovereign Tech's history, but I live this shit and was all consumed by this shit. Like I it's, it's the rare occasion if ever that I missed some aspect of some major like franchise or franchise event. I watched it all. I did not like some other uh, retro media uh, shows or podcasts. Um, you know, I did not, I was never at the point, I guess maybe until now, but most of the guys that run those shows are around my age. I never got to the point where I'm like, Oh yeah, well, I just, I don't care about it anymore. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to, not going to bother watching that. I take it all in. See if, for example, like a novelization somehow had a soundtrack or even had a making book about it. I know about both of those because I consumed both of them at the time when it came out and everything. Uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of examples that I could really, you know, get into with this. Now one could say, well, for fuck's sake, Brian, did you, did you live at all? If you consumed all this stuff? Well, that gets into another thing because today I will admit that it is very difficult to consume everything related to varying franchises because these fucking entertainment companies, you know, most of these franchises aren't run by their creators anymore. Um, and the entertainment companies or, you know, the, these conglomerates like Disney are just milking the shit for everything it's worth. And they're toying around with the concept of Canon and whatever else to make you like spend thousands or however many, you know, what hundreds, I don't know what, however much money, uh, in, in a week to say nothing of a year, uh, to, to have it all right now that gets into a very big conversation, uh, that I don't need to get into here. Okay. But basically a lot of these franchises, and we're going to speak about a franchise film here because Godzilla versus Kong is really the fourth film in a franchise, uh, in a recent franchise, that being the MonsterVerse. Okay. But for example, like with star Wars, star Wars is pretty much to the point that if you have a full-time job, or even if you're like a full-time student to consume everything, it's a challenge to consume anything else. Like that's just how much star Wars is out there. And I would argue to appreciate everything that's coming out with star Wars. Not that all of it's good, but there's a good chunk of it. I mean, bad batch is fucking brilliant. Uh, the comic books are dynamite these days. I mean, just amazing. Like that war, of the bounty hunters crossover. Fuck yes. But to really appreciate everything that's going on, I mean, and, and to like have those breath, you know, your breath getting taken away uh, moments that I think a lot of fans look for when they're consuming their favorite media. Um, you know, you, you still have to take in the shit, right? Like part of war of the bounty hunters for that to make sense, you have to be fairly familiar with the movie solo and the movie solo is not bad, but it's, it's what I consider 
And it's not horrible either, but there are things worse than bad or horrible. And the thing I consider worse than bad or horrible is mediocre. Now you'd say, wait a minute, wait a minute. But by dictionary definition, mediocre is better than bad, right? It's just not good or it's not great. It's just mediocre. How can that be worse than bad? Well, here's the deal. The reason I think, and I'm going to use an analogy, even though proof by analogy is not proof, but I'm going to use one. As an analogy, okay, let's say Star Wars is a beautiful garment. You can, you know, there, there can be like, uh, that, that garment can get stripped and shredded at certain areas. Like say when, uh, Rise of Skywalker came out or, <laughs> or more particularly, I think when the last Jedi came out, um, there's a nice big tear right on the sleeve. You know, I mean, that was bad. But you can patch that up, okay? And you can get over that. Here's the thing. So really bad stuff, you can fix. Mediocre stuff, Disney won't take the time to fix. And other people, creatives, may not take the time to fix. And it's like a, it's like a, a, a tomato stain or, you know, a tomato sauce stain on it that you just can't clean. And it just stays there, okay? And, the, and as the garment continues to get covered with these stains it loses some of its luster. And that's why I think, and this is true for any franchise that something being mediocre is far worse. It is more of a problem to the franchise as a whole than something being terrible. Okay. Because terrible, I feel like you can fix or there's incentive to fix as to where mediocre there's not. So for example, you know, if I rate a movie, a five, that's far worse. In fact, Think of how many times I've ranked a film on Sovereign Tech or at Sovereign at the movies. You've probably almost never heard me say like a four or five. And that's because in my mind, that's worse. I know this doesn't make, this might seem uh, paradoxical, but I consider that worse than ranking something a one or a two. Because if something's a one, I can just forget about it. You know, <laughs> like, nah, whatever, fucking trash. You know, and like, like AVP, right? Like aliens versus predator. Just, eh, whatever. It's a fucking one who gives a shit. It's a zero. Get it out of here. You know, and I don't have to pay it and I won't pay any attention to it anymore. But if it were mediocre, ah, shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it's just, it's the stain on the franchise. But anyway, so I, I'm saying all this to <laughs> roundabout way of suggesting to you that just as I do sovereign tech, because I don't hear my opinions represented. I have always enjoyed doing, uh, you know, reviewing movies and media entries on sovereign tech or with sovereign at the movies more lately, because I very rarely hear from people who lived, uh, as this, you know, as this content, you know, as, uh, I hate to use the word content as these media entries, whatever they happen to be in whatever venue have come out. And I've just basically consumed them all and every, every aspect of them. And there are so few, if any out there, it seems like, uh, that have done the same, just like, okay, there might be somebody who's into uh space in 1999 dynamite show. I love that show so much. I mean, Barbara Bain, Martin Landau, you know, doing their thing after mission impossible. Fucking awesome. Um, uh, just, I mean, two seasons, but a great show. Sure. There might be people who even do a podcast where they cover that and they review it. Are they going to talk about the books by EC tub? 
that he was still writing into the 21st century for space in 1999 that was helping close out the series and everything? Probably not. Um, there are people who will talk about the original Battlestar Galactica, Satan bless them. And I, I mean that like, thank you for talking about something that's actually good compared to what Ron Moore made. But are they going to cover, you know, Richard Hatch's multiple sequel books or even perhaps some of the phenomenal fan fiction, which was really keeping the franchise alive uh, in the 1990s and even at conventions, right? Like the works, uh, the fan fiction of Adam Stacey, uh, who he wrote, I mean, so many stories. They were massive. I mean, he basically wrote to like where Battlestar Galactica went for, fuck, probably four seasons. You know, I mean, a real four seasons too. not, not, not this bullshit. Um, he might even be keeping that going. I mean, but I know all this stuff, you know, and I was there and man, I mean, I can't expect everybody to waste their time. Like I have when I was growing up, but then I would appreciate it. If the people who talk up, you know, all of this retro media weren't just regurgitating horseshit from Wikipedia. Okay. And had like some broader understanding of what's out there, what's available. And the amazing thing, frankly, that, that a lot of people who might not have the dollars behind them, uh, from a studio, uh, are putting out there. And also I think a lot of these people lack taste. I mean, I think they really, really lack taste and not just that they lack taste, but a lot we're in this situation. So I don't want to, we could talk more about the, the deluge uh, the franchise deluge that, that we're dealing with right now. That's a separate subject. And it's one I think I'd like to have with my man, Rob, uh, in an episode of TIE fighter renegades, you know, to get his take on it. But the other, so, so we're not going to go there, but the other point that I kind of want to bring up here, it feels very much like no one takes this stuff seriously. Like the only way you can safely, seemingly the only way you can safely talk about Knight Rider, Airwolf, original Battlestar Galactica, take your pick, is if you make jokes about it. You know, it's every, like everything's a fucking joke today. You know, ev everything's sardonic, everything's sarcastic. Um, I mean, like, I, I don't even get it. In fact, I was having a conversation about this. Like, you see these, you see guys walking around, I mean, and, and they've just got these, these huge uh, mustaches, right? And like, they're totally peacocking and wrapping their identity around this mustache, but I don't feel like they actually give a shit about the mustache. They're just wanting to mimic in a comedic way, you know, the night, like the looks of the 1970s say, which is, you know, kind of the hot thing right now, either the seventies or the eighties. And Hey, I'm a guy with facial hair. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that it's, it seems we've seen culturally, societally, we seem to have gotten to the point that we can't just talk seriously anymore, but we can't even look serious anymore. Everything has to be a fucking joke. Now, ironically, everything is kind of a joke, right? Civilization is perhaps the worst joke. We don't need to go down that road, but I get it. It's just at the same time, I highly doubt that all these people are a bunch of anarchists, you know, and coming at the idea that everything's a joke from an ethical standpoint. And please understand, I'm not making fun of mustaches. I know, and in fact, I'm sure I've got listeners who have very proud and impressive mustaches. And I know, you know, I know what you're about. I know you can take life seriously. Okay. But now to my point of taste. All right. 
Uh, <laughs> in fact, I'm going to get to this movie, that being uh, The Tomorrow War. Um, that's like an Amazon original, Amazon Prime original. Um, I'm going to get to reviewing that movie in Sovereign at the Movies. So, but I heard Steve Gibson talking about it. And what I thought was amazing was when he was talking about it on Security Now, my favorite podcast. He was talking about how he's like, look, I still enjoy, you know, sitting in front of the TV and being a 10 year old again. And I totally get that. Right. And what really blew me away wasn't that he said that about the tomorrow war, though. I get where he's coming from on that. What blew me away was what he said after the fact he started talking about the recent ransomware, uh, uh situation with the ransomware group Revil. Now the name Revil comes from resident evil. It's, it's ransom evil, but they got it from resident evil. And so for a few minutes, Steve Gibson was talking about the resident evil series from Capcom. Of course. Now I love those games. And as notor- people notoriously know, because I guess there's people who don't like these. Okay. Which speaks to the problem of taste. Uh, I love the resident evil movies. In fact, Paul W.S. Anderson is my, he's my favorite director. You know, it's always up with, with him and Ridley Scott, but I love Paul W.S. Anderson's work. And Steve Gibson said, he said, and he's like, before anybody calls me out, he said, I know, you know, the movies that were made out of that series, he watched them, he loved them because he likes sitting down in front of the TV, you know, and being a 10 year old again. And I was just like, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> you have, I, I was sitting here working and, and as while listening to that and just started pumping my fist so hard because I've never, ever heard anyone else say that they love those movies and they enjoyed those movies, but Steve Gibson fucking got it. Yes. That's why that man's my hero. (laughs) He got it. He understood clearly. I mean, and, and what are you, are you going to call Steve Gibson, Steve fucking Gibson? You're going to call him like brain dead or uh, a hack or something like that or stupid. You know, certainly terms that uh, I've heard lobbed at anybody that says that they enjoy those films and give me a fucking break. It's Steve fucking Gibson. And I'm totally with him, except for the last film, which I thought, man, I wish they didn't make that, you know, like that one wasn't as good. Like they, they felt like they took quite a, too, a few too many steps backwards. Uh, and that's really, I mean, it's not like the story was necessarily bad, but, and yeah, oh, sure. Yes. Are there continuity errors or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Um, but <laughs> But like, it just, it felt like it, it took way, way too many steps back and we didn't get the payoff from what we were expecting in the, in the previous film. So yeah, I, I didn't necessarily like that one, but everything else I thought was fucking great. You know, like that, that whole series, even apocalypse was a fine movie, but I think that's just it is that so many people, you know, think everything's just such a fucking laugh that they, and not only that, but clearly they have lost their childlike wonder. And looking into the, you know, looking at the universe and, you know, everything or whatever's presented before them. Um, yeah, same deal. Like I am totally fine. I, I, I like the most, you know, serious and thought provoking and galactic brain stuff. There is an existence. I'm, I am there for that, but absolutely. I can also not, I mean, you could put it this way, turn my brain off, you know, whatever, or be that 10 year olds in front of the TV and getting entertained damn skippy. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's a very apropos statement for the movie that we are really here to talk about. So there, I've got my three points out of the way uh, <laughs> that I wanted, uh, that I wanted to get into the point that Steve Gibson, you know, like the resident evil movies, uh, was, you know, was my third one there. 
So let's actually talk about the movie that we're here to talk about. <laughs> that is Godzilla versus Kong. Now, a little bit of history. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong, again, is not the first time uh, that these two titans, in fact, that's what they're even called in that movie, uh, have, you know, gone toe to toe. Um, that honor actually goes to uh, a much, much older film with a slightly reverse name, and that being King Kong versus Godzilla from 1962, made by Toho. Of course, Toho being the really media juggernaut in Japan. Um, that movie would end up getting released in the United States, fairly edited. Um, but I do think that in Godzilla versus Kong, the 2021 film, there were some interesting nods uh, to that. But Toho would actually go on to, because that movie, the original from 62, was a massive hit. And Toho, for many years, wanted to make a sequel to that because it was such a massive hit. And it was very early on in the broader Godzilla franchise. Um, they would end up making a second film that being King Kong escapes where King Kong basically, you know, kind of takes on a, a Mecca King Kong, which actually the sequel for originally the sequel that, that they want, I think it was in the nineties that, uh, that Toho wanted to make another, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong. Um, that, <sighs> They had licensing issues, you know, getting the rights to using the like to, to getting to use King Kong. And so then Toho was like, well, maybe, you know, could we do like Mecha Mechanic Kong? Can we do Mechanic Kong versus Godzilla? And even that just just being able to use the likeness of Kong, even though it wasn't directly King Kong, uh, even that was a challenge in the 90s. And so that would turn into uh, actually one of the best Godzilla films, that being Godzilla versus uh, Mecha Godzilla 2 you know, two, number two at the end, uh, incredibly enjoyable film. And really 1962's King Kong versus Godzilla was an enjoyable film as well. It deserved the accolades, um, that it got and is, has recently been pretty well restored. I think it to 4k, uh, because that, that movie was pretty notorious for one of being one of the Godzilla films that was not very well preserved, but it's a movie I've watched many, many times. Uh, and clearly the creators or the, you know, the production team, the writers behind uh, Godzilla versus Kong were very aware of the film. So one of the issues you have when you're dealing with, I mean, the basic argument goes, and this was the argument in the sixties was that, so Godzilla was a Japanese creation, right? Both in universe and in the real world, <laughs> but, or well, kind of. Yeah. Okay. A bombs. Let, let's just keep going. And King Kong was very much the American Godzilla, even though, you know, King Kong is a much older character than Godzilla is. The thing is, is that, so you have these two monsters, it's an East versus West situation. Okay. Which are always very popular, right? Just think Rocky four. There was, there was really a problem. And that is, is that King Kong is a significantly smaller monster than Godzilla. So in Japan, when Toho wanted to do this, you know, King Kong versus Godzilla in 62, uh, how, how are we going to make this matchup? Because really Godzilla could just step on Kong and fights over. 
Okay. Which, uh, spoiler alert, actually King Kong won the match against Godzilla in King Kong versus Godzilla. What happened in Godzilla versus Kong? Stay tuned. So Toho decided in the sixties to greatly enlarge King Kong. Okay. Make him a much bigger monkey and have him go against uh, Godzilla. Now, not only that, I mean, Godzilla has varying powers, right? Of course, his atomic breath, you know, and whatever else. Godzilla is just this giant ape that, you know, can bash things and everything. What's, how, how do we make him a more formidable character? Uh, well, they had this trick that electricity, you know, whether it's from lightning or electrical lines or whatever, can strengthen Kong to, fairly unfathomable levels. Of course, you know, his power levels will come down a bit as he uh, expends that electricity. And in fact, like in, in varying comic books, um, this power would get picked up as well to where Kong or yeah, where Kong can like shoot electric bolts from his hands. Um, and so it gives Kong uh, a bit of an edge. All right. And it was a clever idea for Toho to do. And you may be saying, wait, if this is East versus West, why is Godzilla losing to Kong with, with all of this? Well, it's important to note that this was in 62, only the third Godzilla film ever. Okay. There were only two previous Godzilla was still very much seen as the villainous character at the time. So King Kong comes in as the hero. Now, through much of God's, uh, through, through the many Godzilla movies, and, you know, pretty much 30 of them, I mean, through, through many of these films, uh, Godzilla does end up becoming the hero. And we'll talk to that when we get to Godzilla versus Kong. But at the time, he was not. So it makes sense that you would have King Kong come in. And it's basically, you know, the most famous movie monster that you could really put against Godzilla and that audiences around the world would recognize and would say, okay, you know, even though they had to do this bit of uh, uh, adjustment on Kong's size and this electrical power and everything, uh, you know, it, it sold. It worked. And in fact, it worked so well. Uh, in fact, actually, it's the first color movie that uh, both Kong or Godzilla would ever be in. Um, but it's really the film that would save the entire Godzilla franchise. Um I mean, really, like the, the only reason that Toho kept making Godzilla movies is because of King Kong, which I, I think is a historical footnote that gets glossed over uh, a lot of times. But it's true. And even to date, as popular as Godzilla is, it still holds in Japan the largest attendance record, not necessarily dollars, but the largest attendance record uh, in history for a Godzilla film. And that's all the way back in 1962. And of course I wouldn't say that it's the best Godzilla movie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I could easily go down a list of films that I think are, or Godzilla films that are much better, or even just Kaiju in general, uh, films that are much better. Uh, but I think that just makes it all the more impressive because it still holds that record. And it's not even close to being the best, you know, movie in the Godzilla franchise. So it's something though, to make sense, to want to emulate, to want to make again, if you are going to, you know, if you're legendary pictures, right? The studio behind the recent monster verse, if you're legendary pictures and you want to, you know, continue some success, uh, it's a great buildup to get to now, interestingly, and I think most people might not have realized this, um, this monster verse as 
legendary pictures calls it has been kind of a, it's been somewhat low key or is initially very low key. Um, so this would be, so now let's fast forward to 2021 and we have Godzilla versus Kong. Okay. This is the fourth film in the MonsterVerse. The three previous films are, of course, uh, the 2019 Godzilla King of the Monsters, when Godzilla took on Ghidra or Ghidorah, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And then there was the 2017 Kong Skull Island, which I think a lot of people don't realize uh, was a setup for this monster verse. But then there's Gareth Edwards, 2014 Godzilla. And that's actually the first film in the monster verse. But I feel like a lot of people really forget about that first Godzilla movie from 2014, but that movie was a huge hit, which is what kind of led them down this path. Uh, of course it took them some time. I, I think they would have loved to have done Godzilla versus Kong as the third film in this new monster verse. But I really understand why they, you know, made it the fourth, why they need to get two films uh, deeper to, you know, explore why these uh, monsters, why these Titans uh, are what they are, you know, and, and give them their, their gravitas and their pedigree. Because here's the thing, the 2014 Godzilla, look, I like Gareth Edwards fine. Okay. Rogue one whoo, for as much of what he did is left a minute. Um, I thought the 2014 Godzilla, I was very disappointed in that. Not, I don't think it's a bad movie, but it did not. I mean, you barely get to see Godzilla. Now, some people think that that's a strength. I disagree. Like give us fucking Godzilla that it, it, his name's in it. He's what we want to see. I mean, you barely ever see him, which I'm sure saved a lot of budget, but to me, that's a fail. So in 2019, when we got Godzilla King of the Monsters, um, even though that was not a financial success, we needed to see who this modern Godzilla is and we needed to see him in action. And of course we did. And he takes on Ghidra and blah, you know, and the rest is, and, and I, I thought that movie was, was great. I, I mean, I really enjoyed uh, that. I thought Kong uh, Skull Island was a great movie. Is it the best King Kong movie ever? Not even close. Might even be at the bottom of the list. Uh, but it, it's, you know, it was good. It's not Peter Jackson's, which I love that movie, uh, especially the, you know, ridiculous five hour version. <laughs> well, it's not five hours, but you know what I mean? I, I love that film as a gorgeous movie. But Kong Skull Island was, it was good. And you can see why you'd want to establish reestablish Kong, the character, even though, you know, it had only been about 10 years since we had seen him in Peter Jackson's film, uh, because you needed to establish him as the, you know, ape, the size of Godzilla again. Okay. This is not the ape that climbs the empire state building as iconic as that moment is for the character. And you also had to establish the organization of Monarch, which is like this kind of quasi government organization that looks into cryptozoology and basically, you know, all conspiracies and the strange, um, you know, goings on in the world. So while I don't think that Gareth Edwards Godzilla from 2014 was leading up to Godzilla versus Kong, uh, it's financial success set the stage for the monster verse. Okay. But without a doubt, 
Kong Skull Island from 2017 was setting up for this very movie. Uh, and of course, so was Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, and really, it seemed like they were setting up for quite a bit more. It doesn't appear that this was meant to be just a three or four film affair. Uh, they were wanting to go the distance with this right now because of, I mean, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters was not a financial success, but the studio was still, you know, yeah, but, but, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, this is, this is going to be the movie. This is going to be the financial success. Unfortunately, that did not really get uh, the best opportunity to be a financial success because of 2020. And right now we're not sure if we're going to get more movies. There's rumors that they could be doing son of Kong, uh, which I think would make some sense, even though, well, let's get into spoiler territory. Uh, Kong's not dead. So I don't know why you'd want to bring in son of Kong, but I mean, I know that there's an original film about that, but well, anyway, no, not, not anyway, there are a lot of great monsters that you could get into, um, that going to Kong again, you're kind of wasting your time. Like let's build up, uh, you know, some, some other, uh, Kaiju, you know, let's build up some other monsters. Not, you don't have to do a Mothra movie even though I wouldn't mind that one bit, but like, let's do, I don't know, really do space. Godzilla space. Godzilla was terrifying as fuck, especially when I was a kid. Um, there's plenty of monsters that, that you could bring in. I mean, fuck have fun and do jet Jaguar, <laughs> you know, in fact, this really gets to, you know, I'm not doing this in the order that I normally review films. Um, but, so spoiler alerts, you get Mechagodzilla in this. And while I think it's very clever, the way that they develop Mechagodzilla, as in he's like kind of channeling via Ghidorah, like one of the heads of, uh, of Ghidorah or Ghidra, there was no need to bring in, and I, I get why they did it, but there was really no need to bring in Mechagodzilla at this point in the MonsterVerse. Um, and, and I'll, I'll speak more about that when I get into, when I, you know, get into more of the review of the film. Um, but you could have, I mean, you could have done a trilogy alone on Mecha Godzilla and what a waste uh, of a character because look, Godzilla versus Kong title alone, those title characters alone are enough. Okay. You know, to do your nine digits, you know, and nine digits plus. Uh, as far as uh, profit. So in my opinion, wasted opportunity um, on, on that, but let's, let's talk about the film uh, a little bit more. So the movie itself was directed by Adam Weingart. Uh, he did a fine job, uh, screenplay by Eric Pearson and Max Bornstein. All of that's fine. I mean, I guess, let me just say it out front. I had a great time with this movie. Uh, I have quibbles. I have I have critiques to make, but this is a far better movie than it needed to be. Uh, I was really, really impressed by it. Uh, and it particularly like, let, let's just get this right out. There is within like 40 minutes, there is an amazing first matchup between uh, Kong and Godzilla at sea. Okay. In a, in a carrier group. 
And that battle is one of the best battles I think in movie history. That was fucking intense and so well choreographed for, you know, two CGI Titans and a carrier group. <laughs> I mean, it really, really worked and was incredibly exciting. Uh, the music that you got throughout the film, of course, by Tom Holkenborg, who's really junkie XL, uh, absolutely delivered on this. The movie has a very eighties styling, like a very neon styling, almost Tron esque, um, you know, I mean, I could take or leave that, but certainly it made it a visual feast. That's for sure. But again, I, I kind of feel like a lot of that coloration took away from the, the, the majesty, the, uh, grandiose nature of the two Titans of the two titular Titans. And, but I mean, that, that's fine. It's just, that's a small critique, but again, that, that first battle between Kong and Godzilla is worth the movie alone. That was so fucking exciting. Um, so the writing overall was good. Uh, it's a movie that clocks in under two hours is about an hour and 53 minutes. I'd love to see an extended cut. I actually hope that there's an extended cut probably won't get released, but it'd be nice. Uh, it is already available on Blu-ray. In fact, you're already getting, which I think kind of speaks to how some people think about this movie or kind of the popular perception. It's already being released in like a three pack uh, Blu-ray or DVD collection where it's in probably 4k as well, uh, where it's Kong skull Island, Godzilla, King of the monsters and, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Notice that Gareth Edwards, Godzilla is not, is not in that package, even though it's technically the first film, I would argue it's because it doesn't make any, you know, that movie just does nothing other than, you know, in having the creation of Godzilla, which you get a bit of a rehash uh, with Godzilla King of the Monsters. That's plenty and basically makes that first movie meaningless, in my opinion. You know, again, the only point to that movie is that it made the money that uh, inspired uh, Warner Brothers, you know, to to push this, uh, you know, to to getting to Godzilla versus Kong. I'm sorry, not not Warner Brothers legendary. OK, legendary pictures. So anyway, um, there, I have like the acting, uh, you've got, in fact, I'm amazed speaking of the acting, I'm, I'm in awe at some of the actors that are in this film. Like this seems, dare I say, lowbrow, uh, for, for some of these actors like Alexander Skarsgård, who you can barely recognize in the movie. I mean, you know who he is, but like, you can barely recognize him in this. Uh, certainly not the, not the cut specimen of, you know, figure <laughs> of Tarzan. Um, but who really, yes. And she's back. Of course, Millie Bobby Brown that everybody's crazy about because somehow stranger things is the greatest thing to ever come out since Battlestar Galactica by Ron Moore, which really just points out that no, it's bullshit, but regardless she's in it, uh, very much more grown up now. Right. Um, but the one that really blew me away that she's in it is. Rebecca Hall. That's just a weird, like Re Rebecca Hall is. I consider her to be like a young Judy Dench where, you know, she normally does very highbrow, you know, like indie films and all this other stuff. I was kind of shocked to see her in an action movie. I mean, she brings just because of, you know, her acting chops, she brings an intellectual, uh, yeah, an intellectualism that this movie doesn't deserve <laughs> or need, but she brings it, you know, to, to that level. 
Um, I was really surprised by that. Like, like that, that she somehow said, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) I mean, that, that I hope it was a good paycheck. I'll just say that. But the acting in this all the way around, I thought was, was top notch. I didn't think that there are any real weak spots in this other than maybe Millie Bobby Brown's friend. And he was kind of ridiculous, but otherwise it was, it was fine. The, uh, the visual effects. Amazing. You know, I I mean, there's times where, and I think I've said this before in other movie reviews where what's the point even talking about visual effects anymore. Right. Because they, they basically always just look phenomenal these days. Um, so visual effects were, were awesome. Uh, in fact, maybe it's more impressive that that fight that I mentioned, which is one of the greatest in cinematic history between Kong and Godzilla at, at the carrier group was in the daytime. Uh, because I think one of the unjustifiable arguments or complaints about Godzilla King of the Monsters was that everything was happening at night. Um, which is interesting in contrast to Godzilla from 2014, because a lot of that was daytime action, but, but you didn't see anything. Right? You barely saw Godzilla in that. Uh, so I thought getting in that, that daytime action with these Titans was, I mean, I'll give that like uh, bonus points for the visuals. So all of that, the direction, all just all 10 out of 10 the screen the screenplay, Maybe I'll give that a, a seven or an eight and I'll talk about why, because this is where my critiques um, come in and I have two major ones. So I only have really, t- I mean, they're big, they're kind of big, but I mean, to only have two critiques, you're, you're a movie that's doing pretty good. Okay. Especially for me. And my two critiques are the first one is that you get absolutely inundated and over loaded with conspiracy theories in this film um, from the hollow earth. And it's not theory anymore in this movie. Oh no. The hollow earth is a fully accepted scientific fact. And that I feel like that kind of came out of nowhere, <laughs> you know, that, that that's like a thing. Uh, so there's certainly elements of this that are rushed. Um, but again, it's not a movie that needed to be that deep right? Because we know what this is all about. It's about seeing two giant monsters, you know, kicking each other's ass or at least two. We ended up with three, uh, maybe a little more, but anyway, um, but there are, I mean, there are so many conspiracy theories, like just stuff constantly name dropped, like breakaway civilizations. I don't think I've ever even heard that in a movie or TV show before. Maybe it has been done before, but I've never even heard anybody mention breakaway civilizations. Uh, Illuminati, of course, got mentioned. I mean, I think that's kind of become a, a pop meme. So, you know, I don't know that they needed to explore that too much. But there are other ideas, other conspiracies within the movie that, like, you get no real background on. And, hey, you know, I'll, I'll be the first person that does that, too. We're all name check things and hope that people will go and like maybe go to Wikipedia or do whatever research, go buy a book. I don't know to find out more about it. I love doing that. But if I have an entire trilogy of films or at least a trilogy to say nothing of four, if I have at least a trilogy of films and even with one of those, if I have a $200 million budget, Oh baby, I'm not going to pull the trick of where I just have to mention something quick. I'm going to fucking explore it for you. Okay. And show it to you. So my critique is effectively that I don't think they spent enough time exploring 
um, some of the wilder ideas that get put on display and accepted as fact within the film. I really think they could have, they could have spent a lot of time with that, including a lot of the really advanced technologies that they lay out in this. They could have, you know, covered more ground explaining that stuff. I mean, cause when, when they go to the hollow earth, when they go into the hollow earth, like this is such a gorgeous presentation of that concept. Um, and they, they play it pretty much by Raymond, Raymond Bernard's, uh, uh, you know, theories. He's probably the most famous, uh, person to write books on the matter. I mean, there's, there's just some insane stuff in there. And then also you get to this point when you get to the hollow earth, where you get to see like Kong's throne and like Kong's home effectively. And you get no real explanation around anything that's going on there. And this pissed me off because this also happened with Godzilla, where you get this exploration of like these, these ruins where you find out like that, that Godzilla was um, worshiped in the ancient past. And then they just, fucking like blow up the whole temple for Godzilla. <laughs> and I get why, but come on, man, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much to cover in that in the comics do to some degree, but boy, it would have been great to see that on the screen. And when I say the comics, I mean, the comics actually produced by legendary pictures, uh, because yes, unlike others, I read those. So you've got all this ancient shit that you could cover and, they just don't, you know, and you have all these conspiracies to explore some and they just don't. And, you know, really, if they wanted to do a fifth film, I would go back in time. Like, let's let's do Primal Rage, you know, just with Godzilla and Kong, which that's what half the shit in Primal Rage is based off of anyway. Right. Primal Rage being the video game from Midway. I mean, that would be so cool. I'd love to explore that more. So they effectively spent no time and, and that's fine. Because actually I read one review for this movie that I think really hits it, hits the nail on the head. And that is it's a movie you go and see and you'll forget about as soon as you're done watching it. But for the two hours that it's on, it's the only thing you can think about. And that's such a dead on description of this movie because I mean, it is an assault on the senses in a good way, I would say. Um, But afterwards there's not a, I mean, I'm talking about stuff here, but there's not a whole lot to explore and talk about. And you know, what, what did this mean? And blah, blah, blah. You know, like like, it's not there unless you are the kind of person that is going to go, wait, what is breakaway civilizations? What is this? What do you mean? Fluoride in the tap water, blah, blah, you know, and and you start going down those, those rabbit holes, by the way, uh, I also really appreciated, this isn't a critique. This is something that I loved about the movie. I really appreciated the role of the podcast in this movie as in, one of the main kind of hero characters is a black guy who's kind of a black Alex Jones. I don't want, I don't mean to say Alex Jones in a derogatory sense, even though I could be plenty derogatory about that. Uh, But like he has, he runs a conspiracy podcast, this black guy, and, and he works within like these companies on the inside. Uh, And, and it's that, that was really cool to, to genuinely have a podcaster be the hero uh, in a story. Now, Godzilla versus Kong is not the first medium to have a podcaster be like the, you know, a spy and, uh, and be a, like a major hero, um, you know, within a, a science fiction story. I would like to think that that first time done title goes to me. No applause, no respect. Okay. 
but I no, really, I thought that was great. Um, I, I, I really appreciated that, uh, because I think, and I'm not saying that I'm being facetious. I mean, yes, I do think I was the first one to ever do that, but, uh, because I like to blend, uh, you know, reality and fiction, but, um, I do think there are a lot of podcasters out there who absolutely are heroic in their deeds in what they're doing. Like they are making lives and the world a better place, uh, through, through their respective podcasts. And I know some of you are listening to the show that, that do such a thing. So that was nice. Like if anything like that, that's a great takeaway from this movie. And I hope that that becomes a, dare I say a trope. I hope that becomes a very popular concept, uh, in entertainment going forward. Now, the second critique I have of this movie, I thought that the end battle, the, the end fight, you basically get two end fights. You get a fight in the city, not at the carrier group in the city between, um, Godzilla and Kong. Okay. And that fight was fine. Godzilla wins this time, even though they give Kong, uh, and I'd loved, again, this is one of those things I wish they would have fucking explored it. They give Kong this giant axe and the axe head looks like one of the spikes from, or one of the plates from the back of Godzilla. And it can be charged much like Godzilla's back plates can't. Uh, I'd like to know the story around that more. And there are novelizations around each of these films. And I might, you know, get into reading those here soon and see if there's some explanation within them because that'd be nice. Um, so they give Godzilla a weapon, you know, instead of the whole electricity thing, they give him like a supercharged ax and that allows him to be more than just a brawler, uh, against Godzilla because Godzilla is really not that much of a brawler unless he's doing, you know, double leg kicks with his tail, but we've all seen Godzilla versus Biolante, right? Anyway, let's go. Uh, so, <laughs> um, not scripted folks. See other people that talk about the shit it's scripted and they pull out those little nuggets because they make it, th- they, they make you think that they know what the fuck they're talking about. This stuff just runs off the top of my head. Thank you. So moving along, <laughs> this is why I am the champion, but really Godzilla here uh, was the champion. Um, and that's fine. I get it. Because Godzilla or King Kong won last time. So, all right, let Godzilla win this time. And really, Godzilla is seen as much more the hero now anyway, even though Shin Godzilla might not have painted him that way. And what an amazing movie that was. Go ahead. You know what? Like, like paint him. The, he, he is definitely the bigger character than as much as I love the character of King Kong. And I really do. He, Godzilla is definitely the bigger, more successful character. Uh, at this stage. So he wins. Yeah. Cause he's not only like, you know, the champion in the movie, but he's really the box office champion. I mean, we're talking about a character that, that, that won like the, uh, the lifetime achievement award at the MTV movie awards. Yeah. I watched that too. I didn't look that up on Wikipedia. I just know. Cause I was there anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, it wasn't as great as when Chewbacca won it and was presented with the medal by Carrie Fisher back in the night, but it was good. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so Kong is seemingly down for the count. And then this character that you see kind of get introduced over time throughout the film, that being Mechagodzilla, who's powered by a human originally, but then ends up and, and like, there's this power source that's in the hollow earth that ends up being able to power, uh, Mechagodzilla because that's the one thing the humans can't seem to do. There's like the, uh, 
there's there's this corporation called Apex Cybernetics that is developing Mechagodzilla with the re- the reason being is to put it's in the name of the company is to put humanity back as the apex predator on planet earth. And that's why they're developing Mechagodzilla, but they're basing it somewhat off of uh, Ghidra's skull. And um, so anyway, you find in, in Kong's layer in the hollow earth, there is this energy source. Now you see like these blue crystals everywhere. I thought it would have been amazing if they called it Vril, Unless I missed it in the film, I don't think they ever gave it a name, but I wouldn't be surprised when I go to look in the novelization that it was Vril. Vril, of course, being the power source discussed in the book from the 19th century, the real world book called Vril, uh, the coming race, which also has to kind has to kind of has to deal with, uh, uh, the concept of the hollow earth, uh, albeit it was fiction, even though there are a lot of people who don't think it was fiction and that it was, uh, obsessed over by the Nazis. Okay. So you get Mechagodzilla, who's supposed to be controlled by the humans, ends up losing control when they inject this new power source. And it kind of appears, they're kind of suggesting that it's like the soul of Ghidra that is more controlling um, this, this Mechagodzilla. It's suggested, it's not stated. Uh, maybe Mechagodzilla is just thinking, I need to protect the humans. But if it was just protecting the humans from, you know, Kong and Godzilla, then that would not make Kong or Godzilla heroic characters. And the movie would actually have a bad ending, which might make it actually better. Huh? I'll have to think about that. But anyway, not going there. So (laughs) I like it when the bad guys win. So Mechagodzilla itself, uh, I thought looked like shit. Mechagodzilla already has like the coolest Mecha look perhaps of all time of any Japanese creation. I mean, Mechagodzilla looks so much more sleek, especially later versions of Mechagodzilla, like Mechagodzilla three looks so much sleeker than, you know, any Gundam, uh, then, then, I mean, just, just pick your Mecha from whatever, uh, anime franchise you want to pick it from. I, I think Mechagodzilla blows them all away. There is no need to change that, you know, what, what that character looks like. Uh, and I thought they, they ended up making it look more or less like a transformer, like a Michael Bay transformer, not a cool transformer from the eighties. And that was a fail. Didn't work for me. Didn't work for me at all. Uh, and then, so Godzilla, as soon as Mechagodzilla, uh, gets powered up and starts attacking, uh, Godzilla at the end, Mechagodzilla basically wipes the floor with Godzilla. Uh, I mean, Godzilla doesn't even stand a chance, you know, and that is also problematic or not. It's not problematic in like the liberal sense. It, 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 that just doesn't exactly seem right. But then this whole last fight, the fight between Kong, the second fight between Kong and Godzilla is fine. But then this last fight just doesn't work with Mecha Godzilla. Uh, that's kind of boring. Obviously, you know, the, the, the human characters say, well, we got to get Kong in there to help him, but Kong's out, you know, because Godzilla like practically killed him. So, uh, uh, Alexander Skarsgård care, his character takes one of these like anti-gravity vehicles that they've been flying around and uses it, uh, to revive Kong, you know, kind of kickstarting his heart, you know, Claire, right now that this was this part that this specific moment, 
I loved. Okay. I didn't like the overall end fight, but this part I loved. Why? Because this paid homage to the 1962 King Kong versus Godzilla, where if you remember me telling you King Kong gets stronger and powered and, and, and actually in the 62 King Kong versus Godzilla, like comes essentially comes back to life from like electrical power lines falling on him. And so to, to get Kong back in action by, you know, electrifying him pays total homage to Toho's history with the character. And I, I thought that that was, that was brilliant. That was very well done. Didn't exactly see it coming either. And it just, it worked. Um, so Kong gets up and then Kong grabs his ax. Godzilla charges up the ax because clearly it's made out of, you know, one of his plates, his back plates. And Kong just beats, just, just like hacks God's uh, Mecha Godzilla to shit. Like just starts taking off arm after arm. The problem here is that's fine. That King Kong comes in and saves the day after losing to Godzilla, but they King Kong beats Mecha Godzilla so quickly, so handily. Like it feels like it happens inside of two minutes, uh, that it makes the fight kind of cheap. And it also makes it worse that for whatever reason, Godzilla was getting his ass handed to him by Mecha Godzilla. So that last, you know, triple threat fight at the end just didn't work for me. Uh, it seemed too, too easy. And it was almost like, yeah, we we've got to keep the movie under two hours, which I applaud that, but this was not the place to cut the film. This is not the place to cut the film up. Okay. Uh, and man, I mean, what we could have done with another six minutes, uh, six or seven minutes of fight between this is where I was hoping that there would be like an extended cut. And I just want more of that fight with Mecha Godzilla. Uh, even though Mecha Godzilla looked like shit and you know, just the, it just didn't make sense. Like the, 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 you know, the mechanics of it, which is a shame because the rest of the movie, everything clicked, everything worked. The fights worked just the last one, which you could argue is the most important did not. Fortunately, the first fight, uh, you know, in the middle of the battleship fleet, the carrier group, um, between Kong and Godzilla was so damn good that it makes up for the lackluster finale. Um, and then the movie ends off. I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, pretty happy go lucky stuff, which I, I thought was, was great. Uh, you know, Kong and, and Godzilla basically, you know, just stare at each other and seem to suggest, okay, we're both alphas and, you know, uh, Godzilla goes off to sea and Kong goes and, you know, does his thing, uh, in the hollow earth. And the movie ends off in the hollow earth, which I just, you know, I'll tell you, I, as much as I complain that they didn't take enough time to explain a lot of these conspiracies or like explain the concept of the hollow earth, you know, because I'm, I, I mean, people are asking, wait a minute, why is there sunlight down here? Well, it's the earth's core, right? I, I mean, like th these are things, if you've read Raymond Bernard's work, you know, and, and of course his was based off of Admiral Byrd's flight. And anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, maybe I should do a user podcast about the hollow earth or something. But as much as I wish they would have explained more of it, uh, I, I am in awe that that was considered acceptable <laughs> to to put in a movie, uh, at this scale. I mean, sure. We've had journey to the center of the earth. We've actually had that movie multiple times, which effectively has to deal with a hollow earth or at least a lost land within the earth. Right. Um, 
but this, this was a whole other level of considering it. I, I kind of wonder, you know, cause you can say, well, Brian, like what you're saying, hollow earth is ridiculous. We're talking about a movie with, you know, a giant lizard and a giant ape. Like what's more ridiculous. No, really a hollow earth is far more ridiculous. And I kind of wonder if they did that just to make the concept of Kong and Godzilla seem far more realistic. <laughs> But to treat the hollow earth as like scientific fact and lay it out in such a way, I, boy, I think that was a ballsy move. And, and I'm still like kind of reeling from that, that that's, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of people, including celebrities who think that the earth is flat. Um, I don't have any words, uh, for, for that nonsense, but you know, I'm just kind of amazed that that, they thought, yeah, let's do it. Let's do hollow earth. <laughs> just, it, it really blows my mind, but it's ultimately a movie with, with a very happy ending. Um, and, and again, I just, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It's a visual feast, a sonic feast, uh, a lot of the direction, shall we say, uh, was, was top notch minus that end fight. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to say I love the movie, I don't know how many times I'd rewatch the whole thing. There are a couple moments within it that I, I think are some of the most rewatchable or some of the most beautiful stuff ever put to film. Again, that carrier group fight was, was phenomenal. Uh, and really the depiction when Kong is exploring the hollow earth is, is stunning. In fact, I haven't had a, a good set of feels like that since maybe Alan Grant, you know, pulled off the sunglasses and watched the Brachiosaur eat the top of a tree in Jurassic Park. It, it, I mean, that was really, really stunning. And ultimately, I, I hope that there are more films in this MonsterVerse. I hope that they explore. I mean, I, I'd love it if they explored this Hollow Earth more. What the fuck? Go for it. You know, <laughs> you already you started now. No, no need to go back. No need to look backwards. Like, do it. Um. Overall, I, I think I'd give the movie a seven out of 10. Uh, if it weren't for that end fight scene, I might've given it an eight or an 8.5, uh, but I'm going to give it a seven. I, I thought it was a damn good movie. I don't know if I could call it great. The fight scene was great or the, you know, that the middle fight scene was great, but yeah, I, I mean, there's just, I, I needed something more in a couple of key areas that I just can't put it into that like eight or nine um, range. I think it's definitely the best movie in the saga, you know, in the monster verse, this is, it's far and away the best film uh, of the series. And I think you can actually watch it totally on its own. Um, I don't, I don't think you need to watch the previous three films, which is a small achievement. Some people might see that as a negative because that means they didn't take enough time to connect it with the other films, but no, there's plenty of connection. It's just, they also do a great job of just you just run and gun with this movie. Like you, you're off to the races as soon as it starts up and there's no explanation, which again, I could see as a negative, but it's, I don't have a problem that there's no explanation for Kong Godzilla, you know, blah, 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 you know, or a lot of those elements. It's the parts like the conspiracies that they spend a lot of time with that they give no explanation for. That's what would have been, uh, that's what I was missing. But at a time when we live in a world where the final film is often the weakest of the bunch. Uh, it's nice to see a, or, you know, most recent film 
actually top the charts, you know, actually be like the best movie far and away. And I do think that this is the best movie far and away compared to the rest of the MonsterVerse uh, out there. I mean, it, it just, yeah, it really, really delivered. I mean, I'll, I'll say this, like when you're putting two characters, two Titans like that together, it, it really did deliver on that. It's when Mechagodzilla came in that it fell apart. And again, I feel like it's a wasted character, even though Mechagodzilla, even the original in the original, well, there's multiple continuities for Godzilla, but even in the, you know, Toho's continuities, Mechagodzilla has come back many times. So again, seven out of 10, uh, if this is the last movie of the monster verse overall, it was a good time. Uh, and one of the better, like three to four film, depending on how you want to count it three to four film franchises, uh, that's, that's ever been put down. Uh, I think, and of course you have characters with tremendous, uh, uh, cachet and, and history, uh, you know, to deliver it with. So if you've seen the previous films, you definitely want to catch this movie. Even if you haven't seen the previous films, if you just want to have a good time for a couple hours, you could do a whole hell of a lot worse than watching, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, but again, I do hope that there's more, I I'd really, really like to see a lot more exploration because I, th especially if they took the, t took the time to cover some of the conspiracies and wilder ideas in this, you've, you've really got something there. You, you, you <laughs> all right, legendary. You, you've got something kind of special that you could take places that, that no, really, I don't think any other franchises has gone to. So I will leave it at that. Uh, more episodes to come. And I will see all of you woo, on the other side.